All right. So this is going to be recorded for posterity. So if you ask any questions, I'll have to repeat the question so that the folks who are listening online can hear it. And um, so let's go ahead and get started. Um, let me tell you a little bit about me, since you all don't know me. Some of you know me real well. Others, you don't have any idea who I am. Um, <clears throat> so I'm Bob Hill. Uh, I was born and raised in uh, a little farm town outside of Cincinnati, Ohio, and um, I almost went into full-time ministry and came really close to graduating and realized that th they don't pay a whole lot, <laughs> and went, oh, I can, you know, this is not going to work. I've got it. I'm expensive. I have all kinds of equipment that I need, so I switched to engineering. So I'm a hardcore geek. It's sad. Yeah, it's... Yeah, Patsy's been to my house. I have a 3D printer on the kitchen table. All the normal stuff, you know. Yeah, it is. <laughs> I, l I enjoy amateur radio. Um, I'm a licensed ham. How ironic is that? Uh, <laughs> and uh, and the FCC actually lets me teach uh, ham radio classes, so they have no idea what they're doing. Um, and I also enjoy trains. I have a room that has nothing but model trains in it. So, yeah, and... So when I run off and do things, it's usually something to do with either trains or radio or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. So, and then, um, let's see, I was married on February 27th, 1982, to the lovely Mrs. Hill. I, we refer to her as my best half. And those of you who know me know that's true. <laughs> that's it. So uh, let's go around and have you introduce yourselves. Oh, good lunch. And uh, just tell me, so there's going to be two questions. Who are you? That's the tricky part. So, and then uh, how long have you been attending NOCC? So. Oh. Okay, first. Who I am? Thank you. And I've been attending NOCC since 1999. Rita Cook, 1999. Okay. Joyce Allen, 1990. That's the 90s. Joyce, 1997, I think. Okay. Joyce, <laughs> and I am frequent, frequently, I should say, um, since quite about the same time she did, she started um, coming in once in a while. Negotiable. 
class itself is going to be interactive, and so um, we want to be able to have questions and answers. And, and some of the things we want to do is um, we're also going to have you have homework. And, yeah, I know. <laughs> you now have homework for the Tuesday class, too. I know. Drats. Big drats. Um, it's not going to be too hard. Uh, well, basically what we want to do is we want to make sure that you understand what Second Timothy is about and how it applies to you. And then we want to make sure that we're exercising your study tools. So um, we want to use this as kind of a lab experience. So if you don't feel comfortable with some of the study tools, outstanding, you're in the right place. Because if you don't feel like comfortable in the study tools, uh, we want to make sure that by the time this class is over, they have pretty good comfort with the study tools. And uh, we have a library here, and we're going to go through several of these types of books. Um, we're going to do a, a basic Bible 101 class. Okay, so we're going to do that. And so let's talk about it. Um, some of the tools. You want to pull up the Strong's? The big one. This is a Strong. You would hold that up. This is a Strong's Exhaustive Concordance, and it means what? A strong exhaustive concordance means that it has every word in the Bible and every time that it's listed. So if you want to look up the word love, it, uh, it shows up as, every time that the word love shows up in the Bible, it's, it's in here. So it is a good place to start if you're looking up a word. And we have, we have a new person. Hi, Diane. Would you like to introduce myself, yourself and tell me how long you've been here? Oh, oh this is my first time. No, as far as in when you started attending NOCC? Oh, I think maybe around... Okay. Diane, February, March. Yeah? Yeah. So, welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you. I brought the only thing I could find that was edible that he was What? Thank you very much. And so if you put your name and a legible email address, then we can send you any information that you need to know. So what we're doing is we're talking about uh, some of the study tools. And so we're looking at a, a strong, exhaustive concordance. So um, open it up to the middle somewhere. Some of them, I think there might be one on the table. If not, I know there's more concordances up there. Yeah, it's an exhaustive concordance, it's fine. And so if you look at the exhaustive concordance, like if you were looking up the word love, so just look under the L's and find the word love in there, under the exhaustive concordance. Do you want there's one right there? Sure. Uh, uh, that guy is kind of beige right there in the middle? The big one? There you go. Uh, no, the next one. Over there. And that's strong? Oh, oh, that might be strong, too. Sorry. Yeah, that's strong. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so we're supposed to look up what? Look up the, look up the word love. And what, it's going, what you're going to do is you're going to look in there, and you're going to see the word love listed. And it's going to show you every time that the word occurs. Every time that the word occurs. <coughs> So have you found the word love yet? Oh, love yet or love? Love. 
love, comma, yet. Now I have to pronounce the, 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 commas. the commas. Yeah, I saw um, a uh, comedy skit on that where he had to do the pronunciation and the, and the commas. And that was cute. I'm not going to do it for you, though. <laughs> I'm going to spare you from that. Okay, so define the word love. Okay, so now if you want to see um, where the word love appears, and you want to see it in, let's say, um, 1 Corinthians 13. Is there... See if the word love is in the first... Where is the word love in Corinthians? Um,
There is obviously a big kittle. <laughs> you don't want a big kittle. Little kittle will overwhelm you. There's a ton of information. There's just lots and lots and lots of information. You want to pass that around? Just, yeah. Because I'm a kind of an old school kind of guy. 
because I figured that if I know how to do this old school, if the internet goes down, I'm not cooked. I still know how to do it. I love learning this. I just love learning this. No, the computer is easier. I don't have to have three tables to make up the lighter. It is. It is. I love learning this way with the books and everything. Yep. It was really good. Yep. Good experience. Okay, so let's go next to a topical Bible. If I tell you that I want to Interlinear. 
So if it, it says, let's say this word is 4264, you come back here, and you look up word 
So the New Testament was written in Koine Greek. It was also known as an Alexandrian dialect, and it was used about 2,000 years ago. So there are different types of translations, and there's also paraphrases. I'm going to tell you what a paraphrase is. Um, if you use it, please never tell me, <laughs> because they're just they're they are interesting to read, and sometimes they they can be enlightening, but they are just that they are a paraphrase, which means that nobody sat down and actually did the work that I'm teaching you how to do right now. They're sitting down and going, well, I think this is what this means, and they try to try to put it into a into common current language. So there's a literal translation. So if you look at a Bible that is a literal translation, like the, uh, the New American Standard Bible is a literal translation, which means they tried to do it basically as accurately as possible in, in the vast majority of places. There's a couple of places that they got it wrong, but we won't get into that. Um, sorry. Um, but the, it, it is a literal translation that tries to keep the exact words and phrases of the original. It tries to keep its historical distance. Well, that sounds interesting. What does that mean? Uh, historical distance means they're not trying to change the tone and the flavor to make it current. So they're trying to keep that historical distance. So the New American Standard is very, very good at that. The Amplified is very good at that. So if you want to, and, and the Amplified translation will actually bury you with words. Because when you look at the Amplified, what was a sentence will end up being three or four sentences or, or just stacks and stacks of definition words that explain better what that translation is trying to say. So NASB and um, Amplified are very, very good literal. There's a dynamic equivalent translation. A dynamic equivalent tends to keep a con attempts to keep a constant historical distance. So they're looking at trying to find the middle, but making it more understandable. Um, but they update the writing style and grammar, trying to make it more understandable. So the New International Version is a dynamic equivalent translation. Very, very good stuff. Uh, it is the recommended, what, what this congregation typically uses when you see things up on the, on the screen and things like that. It's a, it's typically the new international. So what kind of differences are we looking at? So Randy has a cute story, and so he gave me permission to pass it along. And it is about a, a friend of his who had come in from India, and they were going to go get hot dogs. And he says, you guys want to go get hot dogs with us? Because they want to do some American food. And they're thinking hot dogs, and they're going, what kind of uncivilized creatures do this? You're going to go eat hot dogs. That's just wrong. Where, if he wanted to say the same thing and get the message across clearer, and, uh, and we're using words that was common to their experience in their culture, he, said, he could have said, well, basically we're going to go get sausages, little sausages, and we're going to get them on a roll, and we're going to put mustard on them. We call them hot dogs. The New International Version uses that kind of equivalency, saying, okay, I understand this is what you're going to understand when I say this word. And so it uses that equivalency. 
Paraphrases? Yeah, they just take the idea from the original text. Uh, they're not very constrained by the, what the definition is or any of that stuff. Not, not particularly concerned about it. They just uh, they want to make sure it's readable, but not very concerned about it being precise. And so when you look at, um, oh, like the Message or the Living Bible, um, they're not very accurate. Um, not trying to slam them, but they're they're just they, you can end up out in the weeds very easily with them. Yes. Yes. Yep. And you know, if you if you if you're looking for a different perspective, um, you can look at them, but just use them for a reference. Don't use them for your study. They just you, it's just not a good thing to do. Um, so there's different types. Like if if you look at um, my New American Standard Bible, I brought it. First of all, it's 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 right. It, it's had a tough life, but I love it. It has um, the traditional Bible is going to have minimal footnotes. It's not going to have a whole lot of information on it. It's just going to it's just going to be the word. You can also get a study Bible. Carol's brought a study Bible. Now, a study Bible has extensive footnotes. And it's good. That's an NIV. That's an NIV. It also makes the words really, really long. Yes, it does. Yeah, I looked at the large print. They had a large print version, but that made it really, really heavy. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. So I, I used to make fun of my grandfather because he used to sit there and read with a magnifying glass. Okay, it's not funny anymore. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So they 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 use small print. They use really fine paper. But there's all kinds of links and things that you can use and footnotes for the study Bible. And it, and it gives you narrative and cross references, and you can just you can just dig and dig and learn and learn. So a, a very, very good study Bible is a wonderful tool to have, especially when you're sitting in a class and you go, wait, 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 what is that? Or if somebody asks you a question and you go, I don't know, but I'll find out. Study Bible is a good place to go look. Well, and I like to, with, because at the beginning, like you're starting into it, uh, starting into a particular chapter or a book, it gives you a little, it actually gives you the history of, tells you about what's going on with the author as he was writing this, where he was going, what the setting is, and, and so it gives you a nice history before you start into that book, which we often hear. Usually Randy will give history when he's talking about something, but when I'm just reading, that's kind of, it's very cool to go to the front and get the history and get a little bit of that background. So study Bibles, very powerful tool. Um, if you need some recommendations, the one that Carol has is a pretty good one because I know the guy who bought that for. Yeah, it was me. Uh, <coughs> another thing that you can get is a parallel Bible. And a parallel Bible is going to have anywhere from two to eight translations side by side. And so you can look at that and you can say, here's what it is in King James, here's what it is in New American Standard, here's what it is in New International, here's what it is in Amplified, and you can see them side by side. Now, you can also do this online. 
do if you go to Bible Hub. You can pick your translation. And, and at the top on the menu bar, you can go to, uh, let's say we were looking at, just for example, 2 Timothy 1.1. And you wanted to see it in three or four different translations. You, you, you bring up 2 Timothy 1.1, and at the top of the, top of the uh, menu bar, you can pick version, and you can go New American Standard, and you can go New, Amer- and you can go New International, and KG, King James, and Amplified, and it just switches them on the fly for you without you having to do anything else. And you can do a compare real fast and, and figure things out. So any questions about... Yes, ma'am. There are some. There are differences. The King James um, uses the art, a, a old English, so lots of these and thous, and um, there are people who that is their go-to Bible. They just love the King James. Um, I find it. I I grew up with the King James Bible because I just didn't know any better, and that was what my dad said was the real Bible, because that's what he taught. So we. We grew up with the King James. Um, very difficult to understand. Very difficult to study. It does not flow naturally for me. The New American Standard, I, could, it, I took three years of Greek, and I could, if I didn't know all of my translations and stuff and couldn't get it figured out, I could use my New American Standard, and it would help me figure it out. It was that good. But it's not real readable. So if you're looking for something that's real readable, the, the New American Standard, you're going to look at it and go, uh, I think I got it, but not real sure. The New International, much more readable, but not quite as accurate. So, yeah, it's a trade-off. It is. And um, that's why when you look at the, the inner, my uh, mounts and mounts interlinear, it's got NIB going down one side, NESB going down the other side, and Greek down the middle. And that's just the way that I like it. I can, I can read it easily, find it, the, re, the translation accurately, and then look up specific words in the middle. So, pretty powerful. But again, you can do all of that online. Okay, any questions about the Bible 101 or the tools or any of that stuff? You're all up to speed and good, and, or, or at least fearless enough to try it, right? That's what I want to hear. Fearless enough to try it. All right. I like it. So let's do something really unusual, and let's talk about 2 Timothy, shall we? Well, we still have time. So who wrote 2 Timothy? Yeah, very good. And uh, any idea when it was written? Aha. Uh-huh. Very good. Very good. And what is the, the significance of that date? Was Paul in prison? Yes, he was. Paul was in prison. Paul was absolutely in prison. And it was a good pure guess. As a matter of fact, it was his second incarceration. It was, and it was in fact his last one. He is in imminent danger of his life, and he is about to be executed, and he knows it. This is not the house arrest. No, this is this is a, this is in Rome, and he is he, and he is a, he is um, within depending on 
who you talk to and which historian you read, um, he is within weeks of being executed when he wrote this. So his, his death is imminent. So when you read some of this in Second Timothy, when we get down through it, you have to understand he is in prison. And uh, so he is in prison in Rome. And who is he writing to? Very good. His beloved Timothy. Now, where's Timothy at? Timothy is somewhere else. Very good. Okay. Do you have any idea where Tim? So Timothy is a minister. Where is he preaching at? In Ephesus, yes. He is. So Timothy is ministering in Ephesus. So that's where Timothy is. So what do we know about Timothy? All right, so I got an idea. Let's look some things up. So uh, somebody want to look up Acts 16.1 for me, please? Thessalonians 3.2 say? 
thing? When was the Fed? So let's back up. Let's cover this. When was the When was the Federal in, when, when was the Federal When was the Federal invented? I don't know. 1500. Wow. In Italy. Okay. So the bill had not been invented yet. Was Nero in town? When Rome burned. No, he was out in the chalet about 30 miles away. So, so when he was not in town when the town, when he was not settling. So we can rule that out. Which I thought was fascinating. It's like, really? I saw that in the movie. It had to be true, right? was in full swing. 
So here, when we get into First Timothy and Second Timothy, and when you when you when you read Paul and he's going, I had people who would not even come visit me. Well, guess what? <laughs> if you go and say I'd like to go see Paul, and it's like, really? Huh? <laughs> So it took a lot of courage to be able to say, I'm a Christian, because there was political ramifications to being that. Here in America, we don't have, we very seldom experience that fully. And so this was a time when Christians were under serious persecution, um, and, and Nero took a certain amount of, oh, what's a nice word for psychotic? No, I don't think there's a nice word for psychotic. <laughs> He was, he was really twisted, and he came up with some really creative ways of, um, like one of the things that he liked to do, on a, at least on one occasion, according to the historians, was that he took some Christians and lit them up for his party. Literally set them on fire and used them as candles, torches, human torches. Um, he, was, he was a piece of work. Oh, yeah. What that? When Rome was burning? Um, no. 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 I don't know where he was exactly. I'd have to go look. Yeah, so 6480. We'll find that out. So. Okay, so he was, at, he was somewhere else. Timothy, 
my dear son. Great Cool. So, my dear, that is agapatetos, and it is an adjective, and it means divinely loved one. Sound familiar from that word that we looked up earlier, agapao? This is agapetos, divinely loved one. And it's in contrast to 1 Timothy 1-2 where he talks about it being my true son in the faith. And this, this note of intimacy, it's, it's, it's adding important emphasis to Paul's, com- to Paul's call to Timothy saying, I need you to endure these things that are coming. Because it's coming. You know, based on the political ramifications that we've already talked about. Bad things are coming. It, there's going to be tests. There's going to be trials. And he's, he's telling Timothy, you have to stand firm. You have to endure the suffering. And, and, it's, and it's, it's there and ready. You need to endure it. Uh, verse 3, please. Thank God for my serve and my forefathers did with a clear conscience as night and day I constantly remember you in my prayers. Okay, so Paul normally follows the greeting in his letters with an expression of thanksgiving. See, if you look at 1 Corinthians 1, 4 through 9, or Philippians 1, 3 through 11, there's examples of these extended greetings. The only exception to this pattern is 1 Timothy, Titus, and Galatians. He doesn't do the extended greeting there. And Paul doesn't really specify the, the nature of his thanksgiving to God. Um, is it for the gift of his ministry? Is it for the promise of life in Christ Jesus? Or is it for the sincere faith of, faith of Timothy? Yeah. And I think any of those are, are probably valid, but it, it's not real clear. And Paul connects his service to his forefathers. And forefathers is um, Pagonos, it's a noun, and it means ancestor. And so that's when he's talking about his forefathers, that's what he's talking about. It's, it's that continuity of his faith. And, and that it, it, the idea is that it goes through all believers. So as a Christian, we are part of that heritage. It's, you know, for, for those of us who are old, we need to be passing it on. And for those of you who are young, you need to be learning it so you can pass it on. It is a process of passing it on. And so being part of that process is really important. That's why we, we have our, our discipleship that we're, we want to make sure that we're focused on and that we have our core values that we're taking care of and that we're looking at and saying these are the things that are important and that you need to be able to do. You need to be able to study. You need to be able to learn these things. You need to be able to teach these things and talk about them. And uh, so this is all part of that, being able to pass it on. And um, Paul's thanksgiving becomes one of intercession for Timothy. Uh, he's constantly remembering Timothy in his prayers night and day. Um, and, and the interesting part is, is that when he uses the word constantly, it's the same word that he uses in 1 Timothy 5, 5, where he's saying you need to be... Uh, you need to be constantly watching out for your widows. Same word. So how about verse 4? Longing to see you, even as I recall your tears, so that I may be filled with joy. 
Yeah, that sounds a little strange, doesn't it? That's like so. For for in in this culture, it's kind of hard to understand a, a guy crying. It's like, what? I don't know how that fits. But in this culture, it, it's um, we, we can't take our culture and put it on their culture. And so, you know, some suggest that Paul is referring to the farewell to the elders at Ephesus on his trip to Jerusalem from Acts 20. Others suggest it was because, you know, when Paul left Timothy on his way to Macedonia. And the latter is probably the more more likely option of why there were tears. Questions so far? Not yet? Okay. Let's look at verse 5. Somebody read that for me, please. I know that you sincerely trust the Lord, so you have the faith of your mother, and your grandmother, Lois. Okay, thank you. So Paul remembers Timothy sincere. So what the word sincere is, anupakritos, which is means not a phony. Not a phony. Not a phony. It's not fake. It's real. So when you, there's a richness to it that you don't get if you just read the word sincere. Are you sincere? Yeah, I'm sincere. Well, no, it, it's more than that. It's being not phony. It's being legitimate. It's being earnest. Yeah, exactly, genuine. So this faith, faith first uh, lived in Timothy's grandmother Lois and his mother Eunice uh, from Acts 16.1. And their expression of faith was Timothy's heritage, like Paul's heritage from his forefathers. Yeah. It doesn't mean that you don't ever have down days. It doesn't mean that you don't ever have problems. 
it means that it's just your, the joy needs to be intact. That joy is be well beyond happiness. Yes. And, um... <laughs> that's it. She's done. She's done. It's over. <laughs> I'm just saying. that I've ever, every trial that I've ever had and everything that I've ever tried to have to, to get through, um, when I tried to do it by myself, it was horrible. It was horrible. But, but, but when you have someone that you can rely on, oh, let's say, creator of the universe, all of a sudden things are doable. Never yes. Never. Yes. And the interesting part is, and I learned this many, many years ago from a dear friend, that the distance between my brain and my heart is only about 12 inches, but at times it's hundreds and hundreds of miles. Because, and it's like, ah, man, I want to get that distance down to where it's not so far away. Because I, the head knowledge and the heart knowledge needs to be intertwined. You need to be able to understand that at a, at a deeper level than just the head stuff. So, we, I mean, knowing, for me, I grew up in, in the Christian church, and I had the head knowledge, but it wasn't mine. It was somebody else's. It was, it was what I'd been taught. It was what I'd been learned. I hadn't, I hadn't, I hadn't had to learn to rely on it. I hadn't had to learn to use it for myself and to, to trust and to, to let the Spirit talk to me from time to time without me going, yeah, but really? Yeah, you got to get the yabbits out of there. <laughs> yeah, and, and like Randy's pointed out on numerous occasions, we really don't want fear. We, 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 we really don't want fear. Fear would not be good. And so with your faith the way that it is, will it withstand the trials that you will indeed encounter? And if you can't say unequivocally yes, you need to keep working on it. And if you can say unequivocally yes, you need to keep working on it. It's, this is not ever done. No matter who you're listening to, um, or, or who you see, or who you meet, and you think, they've got it all together. Trust me. Yeah, they've got trials. And they're all different. Uh, you will, everyone has a story. Everyone has experiences that would just, you would just be terrified to hear. And um, the key is, is that with the help of the Lord and with the faith and endurance, you can get through this. This is just a test. Remember the old, the old uh, emergency broadcast system? This is just a test of the emergency broadcast system. And the, no, but he let us be tried. Uh, yeah. Uh, some people feel like God. God, you're doing this to me. You're testing me to see if I'm faithful. I don't believe that. Nah, me neither. That little piece of God, I don't feel tested. Yeah, I, I've, I've had people. There's a, there's a picture of me out on the web. If you look up Bobby Hill Polio, you'll see a picture of me at 11 weeks old laying in an iron.
routine breathing for me. I couldn't breathe by myself. And I've had people look at it and go, where was Jesus in that? Eleven weeks old and you're laying in an iron lung and you can't breathe. They go, he's right there. He's right there. And if you ask my mom, it's like, oh yeah, he's right there. Because mom was right there too. And I, she was, and you know, there, there was people laying on and iron lungs on both sides of me and they both died because they just laid there. I was laying there and I was fighting it every minute of the day. And and because of that, I didn't get pneumonia. Well, and your mom was praying? Yeah, out constantly. She had entire congregations praying for me. It's like, yeah. So I wasn't supposed to live past the age of two. I'm well beyond that. <laughs> really? Yeah, no. That's the same thing everybody else goes, what happened? Well, I beat the odds. You look great for eight. <laughs> yes. Thank you. Thank you. I was shooting more for 27, but you know. And everybody has their own story on how they got through life. And, and every, everyone is different. But when you look at it, they're all the same. When you look at it and you go, I relied on Jesus. And I grew my faith. And I sat there and I figured out how to do this. And I figured out how to learn about the love of the Lord. And to rely on the love of the Lord. And to be able to toughen up and endure trials. And go... Yeah, I can do this. I'm not going to like it. I'm not going to go, can, please, Lord, give me another. I'm going to go, I can get through this. With the help of Jesus, I can get through this, no matter what it is. And, um, and the trials and the tribulations and things that happen because we're living in a fallen world, they're going to come. And so that's what's really key about Second Timothy, is that, that endurance. It, just being able to get through stuff. Or like 
the man that I left sitting at the table reading his Bible to get ready for small group tomorrow, that still at this point I say, thank you, God. Yeah. Thank you, God. Yeah. So being able to, to have that strength and that, that the reliance and to have people that can come alongside you and go, okay, we can get through this. You know, it's just like, yeah, yeah, it's tough, but you're not alone. You're not alone. We'll, we'll do this. We'll get through it. And so having that is real key. So any other questions? There are no such thing as stupid questions. I might give you a stupid answer, but I'm not, there's no such thing as a stupid question. <laughs> Because he knew that his life was about to end, and he knew that there was yes, and he knew that there was persecution coming Timothy's way, and he and and he wanted to encourage him, saying, "Hey, you know, hard times are coming, but."
Father, we're just so thankful for the time that we can spend together and to, to learn more about your word and to, to brush up on our study skills and to be able to get better at feeding ourselves so that we can teach ourselves and learn more and, and help be better disciples and to be able to, to spread your word to others. Uh, Father, we're just so thankful for the time that we can spend together and do this and we're, that we live in a country to where it's not a problem for us. We thank you for the facilities to be able to do this in. And, uh, and Father, I personally pray for each person in this room to, to be with them during this coming week, to strengthen them, to encourage them and guide them and know that, that they will be prayed for daily. We thank you for in Christ's name. Amen. 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 Thank you, Bob. Thank you.